Welcome to the Recent Speeches podcast presented by BYU Speeches, featuring inspiring new devotionals and forums given each week on BYU campus. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. Before deciding to attend this devotional, I'm confident that many of you engaged in some version of the following conversation. Are you going to the devotional today? I don't know. Who's speaking? A 70 named Elder Alan D. Haney. What's the deal with the middle initial? I don't know. Well, I've never heard him speak. Is he a good speaker? I'm not sure. Do they give out snacks at the end of the devotional? (laughs) I don't think so. Then I I think I'll just listen to it online. No, you won't. No, I might. (laughs) I don't don't think so. I'll tell you what, let's just go, and if he's not that good, we can always just take a nap. My young friends, sometimes it's more comfortable as a speaker to know that the expectation bar is set relatively low. (laughs) I've learned, however, that if you humbly seek the Spirit, the Spirit always compensates, always. Now, before sharing anything else, I I feel the need to confess something. I didn't grow up wanting to be an undergraduate student at Brigham Young University. Due to the college choices of parents and older siblings, I grew up making fun of the culture that is so much a part of this wonderfully peculiar place. After I'd already decided to attend another university, a high school counselor suggested that I meet with a recruiter from Brigham Young University. And I told the recruiter I had no interest in attending Brigham Young University, and I was meeting with him just to get out of class. He was gracious and handed me his business card and said, if you change your mind, give me a call. And in my teenage arrogance, I responded by saying, you'll never get that phone call. When I knelt to pray that evening, I talked with God about my conversation with the recruiter. And, and suddenly, for reasons I didn't then fully understand, I knew I needed to change my plans. You can imagine how foolish I felt when I called the recruiter on Monday morning and apologized for being a silly teenager and told him I'd like to attend Brigham Young University. That change in plans proved to be a very good one. When several years later, I went with a friend to the Cougar Eat for lunch. And while I was eating two cheese enchiladas with rice and beans, it's amazing I can still remember what I was eating, the friend introduced me to this person. And then this happened. And then this. And now this. I owe this university for so much more than just an education. I discovered that notwithstanding your ambitions and well-thought-out life plan, 
If you're single and you keep your mind and heart open, you might discover, perhaps in a place equally as romantic as the Cougar Eat, <laughs> a relationship that can become eternal. And then when you're old and reflective like me, you'll be grateful for all that is unique about this place, a place that holds fast to its divine mission and does not yield to the mocking and pointing fingers of those gathered in the great and spacious building, a building that hopefully none of you have chosen as your place of residence because its future is a Humpty Dumpty-like exceedingly grateful. Some time ago, one of my daughters sent me a video of my barely two-year-old granddaughter singing a song as she pretends to read from a book. I think you'll recognize the song, although the words have been modified by the heart and mind of a two-year-old. I promise to obey for the temple is a holy place where we are sit together as a child of God in the truth our families forever. Sometimes children can have their tongues loosened and speak great and marvelous things. With a solid assist from the author and composer of the song, I Love to See the Temple, my granddaughter sang and taught about covenants, obedience, the holiness of temples, the sealing authority, and eternal families. That's a rather complete description of the hoped-for results of a temple covenant-focused life which is what all of us should desire, because it's a life filled with both clarity and with joy. President Russell M. Nelson has described the importance of temples and all that happens in them with these words. The temple lies at the center of strengthening our faith and spiritual fortitude because the Savior and his doctrine are the very heart of the temple. Everything taught in the temple through instruction and through the Spirit increases our understanding of Jesus Christ. Everything we believe and every promise God has made to his covenant people come together in the temple. When I began attending Brigham Young University in the fall of 1976, there were only 16 temples in the entire world. There are now 177 operating temples, 59 temples in the process of construction or renovation, and 99 temples announced. The most important change in the world since I was your age is not a cell phone, the internet, AI, or an In-N-Out burger in Orem. <laughs> the, the most important change is the increased accessibility of the house of the Lord, a place where covenants with God can be made. Covenants that, if honored by us here, will be honored by him on both sides of the veil. I'm probably too old, but some of you may live to see the realization of Brigham Young's observation that to accomplish this work, there will need to be not only one temple, but thousands of them. Our Father in Heaven has always wanted and planned for a sacred space where he could instruct and make covenants with his children. 
Certainly we can seek and receive God's guidance and help from virtually any location. But there's something unique about those spaces that God has both declared to be his own and sanctified by his presence. The Garden of Eden was such a space, a space selected, planted, and beautified by God, a place of both instruction and covenants for Adam and Eve. They spoke face to face with the Father and the Son in the garden, were taught about the Father's plan for his children, and were sealed together as husband and wife for eternity. Prior to being required to leave the garden, to face the challenges of mortality and the constant attacks of the adversary, they were given a coat of skins, or what, as we would call it today, a garment. The significance of the giving of a garment by God to his covenant children and the receiving and wearing of that garment by his covenant children should not be considered ordinary. It is a most sacred exchange. Subsequent scriptural accounts of the early history of the earth describe other locations, most frequently the tops of mountains where the Lord personally interacted with his prophets. In the case of Enoch, the Lord commanded him to get ye upon the Mount Simeon. And it came to pass that he turned and went upon the mount, and as he stood upon the mount, he beheld the heavens open, and he was clothed upon with glory. And he saw the Lord, and he talked with him face to face. Later, after the children of Israel began their journey in the wilderness, the Lord commanded Moses to build a tabernacle. And the promise to Moses was that if they built the tabernacle, the Lord would meet with Moses and commune with him from above the mercy seat. Once again, sacred clothing was prepared for those who would function as priests, including garments to be worn beneath other symbolic clothing. Such clothing was put upon the priests in connection with a washing and anointing. After the tabernacle had been built following the Lord's detailed instructions, a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In that fashion, the Lord accepted the tabernacle and it became his sacred space. After the children of Israel inherited the promised land, the Lord approved the construction of a temple at Mount Moriah by King Solomon. Upon its completion, the priests brought in the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord into the most holy place. And as the people then praised the Lord, the house was filled with a cloud. Even the house of the Lord and the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Once again, the Lord personally accepted his sacred space, his house. In our day, the Lord appeared as a resurrected and glorified being in the Kirtland, Ohio temple after its dedication and declared, for behold, I've accepted this house and my name shall be here. And, and I will manifest myself to my people in mercy in this house. Now, since God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, I'm confident that the Lord also accepts all of his temples today. Gratefully, even though we're imperfect, we're invited as his guests into his house. And he extends this invitation to us again and again. And if we accept it, 
It will, as promised by our dear prophet, bless our lives in ways nothing else can. We, we should want to enter his house often because Jesus is anxious to meet with us there. Now, for those of you who have not yet entered the house of the Lord to make covenants and receive your endowment, I invite you to pray and ask God if your time is now. If you're 18 years old, out of high school, a member for at least one year, and desire to receive and honor sacred temple covenants throughout your life, you can prepare to receive your endowment. There's no need to wait for a mission call or a hoped-for ceiling. But first, you must be worthy. You should not be rushed. You cannot cut corners of preparation and risk the breaking of covenants that you were not prepared to make. Thankfully, the blessings available to us through the Christ's Atonement make it possible for all of us to be prepared to enter the house of the Lord. There will be opposition to any such plan because temples are the very center of the spiritual strength of the Church, and we should expect that the adversary will try to interfere with us as we seek to participate in this sacred and inspired work, and most of all, come to know Jesus in a more intimate and sacred way in His house. I've learned over the years, however, that just attending the temple is not enough. Something needs to happen to us because of our spending time in the house of the Lord. We, we need to leave his house different than when we entered, but that result's not always easy to achieve. Several years ago, I read a book entitled The Temple, Where Heaven Meets Earth, written by the late Truman G. Madsen, who spent much of his life studying about the ordinances and covenants of the temple. In that book, Brother Madsen identified three things that he felt at one time prevented him from fully benefiting from the temple experience. And I, I feel impressed to share them with you today, especially to help those who go to the temple out of a sense of duty, but who wonder if they're missing out on something. Please know that the Lord loves you for your faithfulness in coming to his house, even if you have not yet had the experience for which you've hoped, fasted, and prayed. You are in many ways like Adam when the angel asked him, why dost thou offer sacrifices unto the Lord? And Adam said unto him, I know not, save the Lord commanded me. Because of Adam's continued obedience, the Lord instructed the angel to teach Adam why he was commanded to offer sacrifice. I believe the Lord will treat you in a similar fashion, including sending angels, if necessary, to teach you. The Lord was serious when he promised that all people who shall enter upon the threshold of the Lord's house may feel his power and acknowledge that it is his house. Now back to the counsel given by Brother Madsen in his book. <clears throat> the first challenge he identified is preventing him from fully recognizing and receiving the unique blessings 
of the house of the Lord, or as the great patriarch Jacob described it, the gate of heaven, was that he never made the effort to carefully read the scriptures about the temple. I too have learned that the best source of insight and understanding about the temple comes from a careful temple-focused study of the scriptures. For example, let me just share three scriptures that might help you gain a greater appreciation for the significance of the anointing that occurs in the temple. First, and Moses poured of the anointing oil upon Aaron's head and anointed him to sanctify him. Second, then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon Saul's head and said, the spirit of the Lord will come upon thee and thou shalt prophesy with them and shall be turned into another man. And third, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. For those who are seeking to understand and connect with temple ordinances in a more meaningful way, spend more time reading the scriptures that talk about the temple and temple ordinances. And if you do, you'll be amazed what the Lord will reveal to you. After all, he's a God who has promised to reveal all things pertaining to my kingdom to his covenant children. The second problem that Brother Madsen identified was that he was afflicted with various kinds of unworthiness and not too anxious to change all that. The Lord has declared the following, I give unto you a commandment that you sanctify yourselves, yea, purify your hearts, and cleanse your hands and your feet before me that I may make you clean. President Henry B. Eyring has taught that if you or I should go to the temple insufficiently pure, we would not be able to see by the power of the Holy Ghost the spiritual teaching about the Savior that we can receive in the temple. So repentance is essential to temple revelation. And temple revelation is essential to the change that we all should experience from meeting Jesus in the temple. Now, weekly participation in the ordinance of the sacrament can help us become and remain clean. When we partake of the sacrament worthily, we renew, among other covenants, the baptismal covenant, and the Lord renews the cleansing that occurred when we were born of the water and of the Spirit. I believe that approaching the sacrament with greater reverence is essential if we desire to become more worthy of temple revelation. The two covenant moments, that of the sacrament and the temple, are inextricably connected. Both point us to the Savior and His atoning sacrifice. And if we listen to the Spirit as we partake of the sacrament, it will whisper to our spirits what it is that we need to change to benefit more fully from our time in the temple. When that happens, we have two choices. We can seek to cover our sins as Adam and Eve sought to cover their nakedness with fig leaves, or we can do as the father of King Lamoni did and give away all those sins that the Spirit has called to our attention. Being willing to sacrifice our sins, to effectively place them on the altars of the temple can result in our having the same experience in the house of the Lord that Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery had in the Kirtland Temple, 
when the Lord declared, Behold, your sins are forgiven you. You are clean before me. Therefore, lift up your heads and rejoice. The third obstacle Brother Madsen identified was that he had a built-in hostility to ritual and symbolism. It's okay to admit that when we first experienced the ordinances of the temple, the ritual and symbolic aspects of the ordinances were a little confusing and may even have made us feel a little uncomfortable. But that initial reaction doesn't mean that we should abandon our efforts to understand what it is the Lord is trying to teach us, or more importantly, bestow upon us. As President Russell M. Nelson has taught, if you don't yet love to attend the temple, go more often, not less. And, and I would add, along with increasing your frequency of attending the temple, go to the temple seeking Jesus. The Lord has declared that this greater priesthood administered the gospel and holdeth the key of the mysteries of the kingdom, even the key of the knowledge of God. Therefore, in the ordinances thereof, the power of godliness is manifest. The beautiful symbolic aspects of temple ordinances can help us understand and feel the literal power of godliness inherent in those ordinances. They are not of recent vintage, but rather were ordained and prepared by the Lord from before the foundation of the world. And as one apostle has taught, God teaches with symbols. It's his favorite way of teaching. If we invite the Spirit into our hearts and our minds, I testify that we'll discover that the ritual and symbolic aspects of the temple ordinances are in fact very familiar to us. And we will recognize that the power of godliness that flows into our lives as we honor them ensures our ability to return and dwell in the presence of our Father in heaven. As President Russell M. Nelson has counseled, the temple endowment was given by revelation. Thus, it is best understood by revelation, vigorously sought with a pure heart. I'd like to add my own fourth mistake that too many of us make when we come to worship in the temple. We too often ignore the reality that all the symbolism in the temple points us to Jesus Christ, His atonement, and His role in bringing to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. Perhaps that's why the Lord declared to the prophet Joseph Smith that all the incomings of thy people into this house may be in the name of the Lord, that all their outgoings from this house may be in the name of the Lord. Many of the challenges people have with not feeling what they want to feel in the temple stem from their failure to seek Jesus while participating in temple ordinances. He's why we come to the temple. He is who our Father in heaven desires us to meet in the temple. He's at the center of every symbol, every ordinance, every covenant, every hoped-for blessing in the temple. Seeking Jesus in the temple enables us to understand why we are in the temple and why we should return. In his epistle to the Hebrews, Paul declared the following with reference to gaining access to the most holy part of the ancient temple. Having, therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, 
by a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh. John provided further clarity to this scripture when he quoted Jesus as stating that no man cometh unto the Father but by me. When we stand at the veil of the temple, he who is our advocate with the Father symbolically stands between us and the Father, saying, Father, behold the suffering and death of him who did no sin, in whom thou wast well pleased. Behold the blood of thy Son, which was shed, the blood of him whom thou gavest, that thyself might be glorified. Wherefore, Father, spare these my brethren that believe on my name, that they may come unto me and have everlasting life. The moment when we symbolically access God's presence through the veil helps us appreciate why Joseph, appreciate why Joseph Smith taught that we need the temple more than anything else. Anciently, sacred clothing was worn to help God's covenant children to remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes. It's no different today. What an amazing sacred moment it is to be given a garment while in the house of the Lord. With all its symbolic meaning, the most important of which is a remembrance of the Savior's sacrifice in the Garden of Gethsemane and on the cross and His glorious resurrection. The temple garment is a physical reminder of sacred promises we have made with our Heavenly Father, and it reminds us of the blessings we can receive if we honor our commitments. The garment also helps us to honor the sacramental covenant to always remember Him and keep His command which, we has, which He has given us that we may always have His Spirit to be with us. President Russell M. Nelson, Russell M. Nelson recently taught something very profound about the temple garment that he gave me permission to share with you. Your garment is symbolic of the veil of the temple. The veil is symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you put on your garment, you may feel that you are truly putting upon yourself the very sacred symbol of the Lord Jesus Christ. His life, His ministry, and His mission, which was to atone for every daughter and son of God. We find Jesus in the temple in every aspect of it. And we find him in the symbolism of the garment. In wearing the garment, we declare to God that we rejoice in having Jesus' name placed upon us in his holy house, and we remember him always. That's why the garment should not be removed for activities that can reasonably be done while wearing the garment. And it should not be modified to accommodate different styles of clothing. That's why the fundamental principle ought to be to wear the garment and not to find occasions to remove it. That's why it's a sacred privilege to wear the garment, and doing so is an outward expression of an inner commitment to follow the Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why, when members are faithful to their covenants and wear the garment properly throughout their lives, it also serves as a protection.
In the apocryphal book of Second Enoch, there's a following account that's found. It says, and the Lord with his own mouth called to me, be brave, Enoch, don't be frightened. Stand up and stand in front of my face forever. And Michael, the Lord's greatest archangel, lifted me up and brought me in front of the face of the Lord. And the Lord said to Michael, take Enoch and extract him from the earthly clothing and anoint him with the delightful oil and put him into the clothes of glory. And Michael extracted me from my clothes and anointed me with the delightful oil. And I gazed at all of myself and I had become like one of the glorious ones. That's the hope I have for all of you, that in the temple, you can become like one of the glorious ones. In the temple, you can receive power to withstand and overcome the spiritual attacks of the adversary through the making and keeping of covenants. In the temple, you like Adam and Eve and Enoch and the priests in the ancient temples can receive a garment not just any garment, but rather the garment of the holy priesthood. And in the temple, you can meet Jesus. President Russell M. Nelson recently taught that every time a temple is dedicated, more light comes into the world. I don't believe that President Nelson was talking about the lighting on the exterior of the temple. I think he was talking about us, God's covenant children, because each time we come to the temple worthily, we receive and leave with more light. Our countenances change, just as the countenance of Christ's disciples changed when as he met with them at the temple in the land bountiful. He blessed them as they did pray unto him, and the light of his countenance did shine upon them. Christ's promise to us today is very similar. He that receiveth light and continueth in God receiveth more light, and that light groweth brighter and brighter until the perfect day. I witness that God is eager to enter into a covenant relationship with us in his temple, one that will, as President Russell M. Nelson has testified, change our relationship with him forever and bless us with an extra measure of his love and mercy. I witness that as we prepare and purify ourselves, Jesus will reveal himself to us in his house in powerful and personal ways. I witness that the consistent honoring and wearing of the temple garment will enable us to remember Jesus to be armed with righteousness and with the power of God in great glory and to obtain the spiritual protection needed to increase our hope of one day becoming joint heirs with him in our Father's kingdom. I so testify as directed by the Holy Ghost and in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You've been listening to the Recent Speeches podcast presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts, including classic speeches taken from our vast audio library, as well as other BYU Speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, by study and by faith. Come follow me. 
the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.